good morning. So I am speaking on finances. Here we go. Untapped potential. This is the last one, I think, in our series on untapped potential. And on, our, on the whole, we don't really like talking about money. Um, so I'm going to talk about money. Um, I have an interesting relationship with money in the sense that it normally sees me and then it just disappears. I don't know how it happens. Um, no, I, God fortunately paired me with a man who's like Scrooge. So therefore, together it works well. Um, I am going to start with a story in the Bible that growing up, I really struggled to understand and I struggled with the story. And it led me to think that God was quite an unfair God through this story. Um, but I want to speak on it this morning. I just want to draw out two points. Don't get overexcited. They're two really big points. <laughs> so it's not just two points, but they're two quite, quite uh, voluminous points. So if you want to turn with me, it's Acts 5. Um, and I'm starting from verse 1. And the church has just been created. So we're in the early church And what's happened at the end of chapter 4 is all the believers were of one heart. It describes them as being one heart and one mind. They're all in like this pure unity in this wonderful place where they've surrendered everything for the beginnings of the church. And they've kind of invested, therefore, everything into ensuring that God's church grows, that it starts. It has kind of the best foundation it could possibly have. And in that, we get these two other people entering into trying to support the church. And they're called Ananias and Sapphira. And it goes like this, the story. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. It's what all the disciples did at the time, sold whatever they had to give to the church. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all that had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked for her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside the husband. Great fear seized the whole of the church and those who heard about these events. The reason why I think I've struggled with this growing up is because I... I've always assumed that actually what they did was quite sensible. You know, they're in a place where they're giving wholeheartedly to something that's really uncertain. And I, as I was growing up, I was thinking, well, it's quite wise to kind of keep a bit back for yourself. And then the second thing that I struggled with is why did they die? Like, that's quite shocking. 
um, a response to this. And so I just want to kind of unpick those two things, really. And I think in unpicking them, it helps us to understand maybe our own, my own mindset towards finance. So the first thing I want to look at is the point that everything is God's. Everything is God's. In Psalm 24, verse 1 to 2, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the, the world and all who live in it. For he founded the seas and he established it on the waters. So the first point that we've got to always be thinking about when we think about our finances, we think about what's in our hands, is that it's already God's. Yeah, we entered this world with absolutely nothing. And unfortunately, we will leave this world with nothing yeah, we won't leave it with our own house or with our bank account. We will leave it with nothing. Therefore, everything is God's. And so therefore, it says in the Bible, it says in Job 1 verse 21, that he can give and he can take away. Yeah, the Lord has the power to give and the Lord has power to take away. And even when Joe looked at the parable of the talents a couple of weeks back, if you haven't listened to his service, I'd urge you to because it was a really good one one off for Joe, hope he's listening, and, and he talked about the fact that the Lord gives, and then we can take what the Lord gives us and cause increase, but the Lord also, the thing in that parable is that, that the master in that parable also took back everything, so he gave like a talent, two talents to somebody, that person went away, busied himself, turned it into four, but then the master took the four back, Yep, so that we are, our duty is to give, is to receive what the Lord has given us and create increase, but then to give it back to the Lord. That needs to be our expectation. The expectation shouldn't be, we get to keep half. Yeah, that's never the deal. So therefore, our expectation is that the Lord gives and the Lord does take away because he is God. And so therefore we've got to ask ourselves out this question we've got to keep this eternal perspective that actually we've been given salvation or we've been given gifts from God what are we doing with them what are we doing with them to impact eternity because they are the things that will last on this earth nothing monetary that we create and God interestingly back in the old testament asks just for us to give 10 percent of everything he gives us And if our mindset is actually everything is God's, then that 10% suddenly seems really fair, doesn't it? Like if I had a huge chocolate bar, like, you know, one of a nice big dairy milk chocolate bar, yeah, and I gave it to my son, then if I said, oh, can you just give me a square, just a small square back, I still think I'm being remarkably generous. And I think if he was to say, no, I'm not giving you one square of chocolate back. I'd be, I'd be livid. <laughs> but God's kind. He doesn't get livid with us. But at the same time, it's just a small analogy to see that actually God gives us so much. And even sometimes there has been times in my life where I have had very little money. Yeah, there's not been much in my bank account, but God still has given me so much. And so therefore, it's, it's more than generous, actually, when he asks just for 10% back. Ananias and Sapphira in this story he had actually still given so much they got to be like they got to be involved in the setting up of the church as we know it but they couldn't surrender everything in that moment they didn't understand that actually it was God's in the first place they had ownership 
over their property and they felt they were just in keeping a little bit back for themselves. You know, the word used for kept back is this word called nosfizome. And it actually means to misappropriate. It actually is the same word used for steal in Titus. So there is this sense that actually Ananias and Sapphira there have stolen off the Lord because it was his in the first place. What they haven't done is kept something back for themselves, kept an insurance back for themselves. They've actually stolen that bit back off God and lied to him about it. And I just want to challenge us today that do we do that? Do sometimes we pretend that we've surrendered everything at the foot of the cross? Like, do we see seeing that there's nothing better than Jesus? And actually, in the same way, we've kind of kept some things that we haven't given to the Lord. Whether that be our finances, or whether that be a relationship, or whether that be um, some pride, or something that we were once involved in. Do we kid ourselves that actually we have surrendered everything for Jesus, but we've just kept something back? I think it's interesting, this story, because I think money's the hardest one sometimes. And that leads me to my second point. And my second point is this. Whilst reading this story again and praying about it, I really felt that I needed to say the second point, that God doesn't need our cash. Like, God doesn't need it. If we fully believe, and our mindset 100%, is that everything in this world is God's, he doesn't need us to be producing money for him and therefore this story teaches us that actually God doesn't want our money he wants our surrender he doesn't want our payments he wants our priorities to be right and that's this story tells me that actually Ananias and Sapphira I don't think it's about the cash here I think it's their mindset towards it that somewhere along the line, they prioritise this money above fully following God. If God has, you know, Jesus is somebody, in the Bible we read that Jesus is somebody that has plenty. In fact, Jesus is able to make loads out of nothing. He does it in the feeding of the 5,000. Yep, he multiplies all this stuff, all this food, and he manages to feed over 5,000 people with really little. He also tells the disciples one time, as they're fishing on one side, just to fish on the other side of the boat, and in doing so, they catch loads. He also, at one point, tells the disciples to go down, um, cast their line into the sea to produce a fish, and there's a coin within the fish's mouth. All these things prove that Jesus doesn't need our money because he can just get it for himself. (laughs) Yeah, it's bizarre for us to think that we've got to somehow, that God requires our money. But he doesn't at all. And this is just a real, like a little side note on the back of that, is that God is a God of multiplication. God is a God that when we do surrender, he produces far more than we ever think or that we can ever know. I, I have been fortunate enough to grow up with two parents that can testify to that all the time. I think my parents are two people who constantly lay everything at the feet of Jesus. They, they have willingly surrendered their finances before God on multiple times. And sometimes that finance has been really little. And sometimes that finance has been, you know, a nice sum. But whatever it is, they have surrendered it to God. And I've always been astounded by what God 
how you utilized it for and done with it and the return that they've got on it. You know, my parents have really taught me that you give everything to Jesus, you surrender your five loaves and two fishes, and he will bring back abundance for his kingdom. Not because you want it or not because you need it, but if you've got a kingdom mindset that everything is God's and you've got a kingdom heart that wants to see his kingdom grow, he will take whatever little morsel you've got and he will blow it out of the water for his kingdom. That was a side note, sorry. Anyway, Jesus doesn't need our cash. This is what Jesus requires. He says in Matthew 26, verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. A rich man comes to Jesus and says, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, sell everything that you've got and come and follow me. He doesn't say, go and sell all you've got and give me the money. He doesn't say, sell all you've got and give to church the money. He doesn't need that. He says, sell all you've got. The most important thing in your life at the moment is the things that you own and therefore get rid of them so that I can be the priority. That's really challenging for us. Jesus knows what is dear to us. It says really clearly in the scripture, we cannot serve both God and mammon. We cannot serve both God and money. It is a question constantly of our motivation. And so we have to think, Ananias and Sapphira here, unfortunately, they served money in this. They weren't serving God. When I married Johnny, we decided that we would be a team. And this isn't this, I'm not saying this is what you have to do when you get married, not at all. This is just the way that Johnny and I decided to work out life. I always take a simple option just to give the context because of this. So when we were going to get married, we talked about finances. We talked about what money we had. We talked about what we were going to do with money. And we decided the simplest thing was to just put it all in one bank account. Yeah, everything that we owed owned into one bank account, done. Yeah, and then we paid for everything together. And the reason why we did that is because we wanted to be like team boxel. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Actually, if everything's God's, then he can give and take away as he chooses. Yeah, and actually, if everything's God's, then we do this walk and this Christian kingdom building walk together. And therefore, it doesn't matter how much each other owes. owns. Yeah, it doesn't matter what we, um, what our salaries are, etc., because it goes into one pot. And actually, if that means that at one point in our life, Johnny earns more, then he own, we can only still do what we do because we do it together. Yeah, so that was kind of our mindset going into marriage. If we had decided that, if we had then set up this bank account, if we had then put all of our money into this one bank account, if then later on down the line, Johnny turned around and discovered that I had stashed a secret wadge of cash in my own separate bank account, man, he'd be destroyed. But he would, you're laughing about it, but he would be actually really upset because it says actually, I might not think that, that we would work out. It says, I'm not sure that we would trust this. It actually says, I'm not sure that, that you, you should have what I've, what I've kind of stored up. You don't, you don't have, you know, you haven't earned what I've got. I've earned it. All of these messages 
And this is what happens here with Ananias and Sapphira. In, in fact, in stashing that bit of cash to one side, Ananias and Sapphira are saying, God, we don't trust you with everything that we've got. God, I don't, you know, I don't know if this, if this, this church thing's going to work out. They're providing for themselves this little insurance policy. And actually, that's quite hurtful. And I just want us to think about that because it suggests that if we're not in something fully, we're not in it at all. That actually we kind of suspect that it's not going to work. And I really challenge you this morning with that, with your finances, that if, you're, if you haven't surrendered your money to Jesus, you haven't said, Lord, you know, I earn X amount, we've got X amount, what do you want us to do with it, Lord? Then do we trust him at all? Because that is probably one of the things that's most dear to us. You know, sometimes we try and trick ourselves, don't we? I have heard this, in, and I hate to say it, but it's kind of a Western church mindset, I think. And I've heard it with people, and I've even probably said it myself at some time. I've even said, like, the line, well, it's okay, because the more I earn as a human being, the more I've got to give God. The more I've got to do kingdom work, because I've earned, I'm earning more, and therefore I can give more to God. But we need to remember those two factors. One, everything's God's anyway. Two, God doesn't need our cash. God needs our surrender. And so we've got to be careful with that because actually God doesn't need us to chase money for him in this lifetime. God needs us to chase the lost. So God doesn't need us to chase money in this lifetime. God needs us to chase the lost. And quite often that might change our mindset as to what do we do on a daily basis? Why do we do what we do? You know, the parable that Joe spoke of with the, te- with the master and the talents, where there was a master who distributed different talents to different of his servants, and some came back having produced more, and they were called good and faithful servants. One buried it in the ground and nothing came back. That parable isn't about business opportunity. It's not about venture capitalists. It's not about producing profit. It's actually about what are we doing with our salvation whilst we're here on earth. It's about what are we doing with our God-given gifts while we're here on earth. It's a suggestion that we don't enter heaven alone. That actually when we come to the end of our lives, we can say, Lord, with the salvation that you got me, with these gifts that you've given me, I've utilized it for your kingdom so that these people now know about Jesus. There's multiplication in who knows your name. And so I wanted to say that, unfortunately, Ananias and Sapphira didn't have that kingdom mindset. They didn't trust in God. They didn't have a hunger to serve him wholeheartedly. And therefore, where does that leave us now? I think this leaves us with really good news, okay? Whatever your financial position today, we need to remember that Jesus came into this life and he was born in a stable. He then rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He came with absolutely nothing. But with the power of heaven, he leaves a legacy that is worldwide 
He didn't come with a huge bank account. He didn't come with loads of finances. He just came in the form that his life was completely devoted to his, to his father's duty. And so therefore, our duty is to just live for the father. At the same time, we can't be foolish. We know that we need money to live. We know, need, we know that this church needs some money to, to run. You know, and the Lord gives us work. So as we go out, we catch fish, there are coins in the mouth, and those coins we, we surrender to the Lord. And we know that God's asked for 10% of that to continue his, some of his work. But God is limitless. And I just think that if we surrender absolutely everything to him, it's really exciting to think what he could do in return. But we've got to want the same as God. And so my questions this morning is, do you want the same as God? And I'm going to invite the band back up to play if that's okay. I'm going to ask the band just to play quietly in the background. And if you don't mind standing for me, that would be great. And we're just going to spend some time. I just want you to really contemplate, for you to really think, for you to really reflect. If you want extra prayer on this, then I know that there will be people praying over there. But I just, on the whole, want you to do some honest self-reflection. You know, we need to be honest people because we like to live comfortably. Yeah. I don't want to escape kind of kind of facts of our modern lifestyle. Yeah. But Jesus calls us to live an uncomfortable life. He calls us to be people of faith. He births in us this huge amount of potential for his kingdom. And quite often, this human construct, this human created thing of money, quite often restricts what we allow our supernatural God to do. And this morning, if you know that, if you know money is a sticking point, if you count the cost rather than looking at the kingdom, I want you just to put your, you don't have to make it big, but I just want you to lay your palms out flat. You know, as if to say, you know what, Lord, I'm just relinquishing this idea that money is a motivator. I want to just relinquish that. You know, I'm going to be honest this morning. I often, it's taken me a long time to understand that parable. And the reason why it took me a long time to understand Ananias and Sapphira is because I would have done the same. I would have done the same. If Marcus came up and said, you know what, we're gonna, we are going to be a radical church <laughs> and that requires your whole heart, I 100% would have had a plan B. I would have done. But you know what, at the same time, I have such a desperate hunger to serve the Lord. And God is plan A. He is plan A. Everything is His. He can provide for all we need. He came into this world as a helpless baby to prove to us that, do you know what? The most powerful thing is his Holy Spirit. Not a king, an earthly king with loads of money, but actually just him. And so this morning, 
I'm going to pray that my motivation, my only motivation is the kingdom calling in my life. And that I don't judge that by how much is in my bank account. I don't make decisions based on how much I will get back. But actually I'll make decisions on how much I can return for the Lord so that I don't enter heaven alone. Because boy, do I want my time on here to count for eternity. Yeah? So let's pray. Lord, I pray with my hands open. And Lord, I just pray for people in the congregation that have their hands open too, Lord, as this act of surrender, of laying down everything that we have in our hands. And Lord Jesus, we know that you are the Father. We know that you are somebody who can take the little bits that we have or take the huge amounts that we have and you can multiply them for your kingdom. But Lord, I pray this morning that my motivations are in line with your motivations. Lord, I pray that my heart is in line with your heart. I pray that it is your blood that froze through my veins. And Lord, don't let me get swayed on earth with earthly desires. And so Lord, this morning I recognize that everything in this life is yours. I recognize that you can give, that you can take away. I recognize, Lord Jesus, that you don't need my money, but you do require my surrender. And Lord, as a token act of that, Lord, I understand that sometimes you just need us to show that actually 10% is fine. 10% shows that you're a generous God. And Lord Jesus, I understand as well this morning that I want to give it all to you. I don't want to count the cost, the financial cost anymore, but I want to count what means, like what I can do for the kingdom, Lord. So change my perspective shift it heavenward we pray amen